This is Ethics and Etiquette, a thought-provoking discussion about everyday dilemmas. Our goal here is to offer you insights and perspectives on sticky situations that will help you to examine your choices and exercise your own ethical muscles. Let me introduce the podcast team. I'm your host, Marna Ashburn, here with wife, mother, and attorney, Kelly Halligan-Zimmerman. Hi, Kelly. Hi, Marna. Hi, Mike. Hi, everybody. And Mike Derrick, a retired Army officer, combat vet, and father of four. Morning, Mike. Hey, good morning, Marna, and good morning, Kelly, and good morning to all our listeners. Hi to both of you, and thanks for being here, everybody. The topic today is recycling, as in, do we have an ethical obligation to recycle? My city county used to offer free curbside recycling until two years ago when it began to charge $7 a month per household for weekly pickup. There was an opt-out feature to the new program, so many people did that. And the newspaper reported that curbside recycling had declined by 50%. Now, I was one of those who opted out because I didn't want the big, unsightly recycling bin in my tiny condo patio. But that doesn't mean I stopped recycling. Every week or so, I take what few recyclables they now accept to the convenience point and lob them into the dumpster myself. Now, I always see a lot of people there as well, so townsfolk are still recycling, even if they didn't sign up for curbside recycling. But some people now throw everything in the trash. So my question is, do we have an ethical obligation to our town, our state, our country, our fellow citizens, our planet, to recycle? Mike, what do you think? Oh, Marna. you know That's a I'm big gonna, question. Yeah, I'm going <laughs> to give you sort of my favorite response to these sorts of questions, which is, it depends. That is Um, what my dad always used to say, too. (laughs) It depends. That's a great answer. Yeah, so it depends on a lot of things. So it depends on the material. It depends on the market conditions at the time. So I'd tell you right now, do we have an ethical obligation to recycle? I would say yes, when you're talking about most plastics, cardboard, uh, mixed paper. But, for example, you don't have an ethical obligation to recycle glass because glass is so easily created from new silicate that it's less cost effective to recycle. It's less energy effective to recycle glass. So it just depends. Just to follow up on that point, if you can't recycle glass, should we then be redirecting our purchasing in the grocery stores to things that can be yeah, recycled? That's, that's right. That's right. And many countries in Europe have begun to do that. So in the United States, we don't uh, force producers to use, let's say, recycling efficient or energy efficient packaging. We don't influence them to do that. At least I don't think we do. Um, in Europe, in some countries, they're beginning to do that. So the producers burden, or should they share, they carry the burden of the cost of their packaging. So, for example, if they want to package in glass, that comes with a higher cost than it would in a recyclable plastic. And um, that's called EPR, or Extended Producer Responsibility. Now, in my town, they only take certain plastics now, not things like when you go to the grocery store and you buy a plastic container of strawberries. They don't take that plastic container anymore. So only things with a neck and a lid. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the big ones, you know, are the clear plastic drink bottles. So those could be water or soft drink. Milk jugs, everybody knows about milk jugs because everybody talks about recycling milk jugs into socks. Laundry detergent bottles, those are very recyclable. As are what are known in the business as tubs and lids. So like if your butter comes in a tub or all those little lids that go on the other things, 
those are generally recyclable. They are. Yeah. Oh, that's good to know. And, okay. oh, by the way, straight from the recycling industry, please leave your lids on, okay? Don't don't separate the lid from the vessel that it belongs to. Leave your lids on, okay? Yeah. Leave your lids on. That's mm-hmm. good advice. I didn't know that. Yeah. Did he tell you why? Um, because it's so easy for them to sort it that way. Um, you know, and you've got to... You got to understand that when you take your trash and throw it in a great big bin with, you know, plastic, paper, metal, glass, it then has to go to a facility where it's sorted. And it's much easier to sort it with the lid on than to have those little pieces kicking around in the bottom. That's why. Okay, that makes sense. More than you wanted to know, Marna. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly more than Kelly wanted to know. I'll Every tell you little that bit much. helps. <laughs> Kelly. You want to weigh in here? Do we have an ethical obligation? Or does it depend? I don't think it depends. And I may not have the knowledge that Mike has. But to me, you know, we have a duty to leave this world a better place than we found it. So we should recycle. It's not hard. It reduces the amount of our garbage. And it's sort of taking personal responsibility for, you know, everything we're using. So it, it seems reasonable. What what does concern me, in, in other words, it shouldn't be a cost-benefit analysis, I don't think. But like Mike said, if the stuff is just not being recycled, and we think it is, and it's just going into the landfill, well, that's no good. That's what I can't figure out. In our household, we recycle a ton. You know, we have as much recyclables out every week as we do garbage. But I always wonder, like, where does it really go? Is it really being recycled? I've wondered that, too. Because once at work, a couple years ago, I was working late. I was the only one in the building, and the janitor was cleaning. And we each had bins under our desk to collect our personal recyclables, and then we'd consolidate it into a big recycling bin on each floor. And as I was working, I was watching the janitor, and he took the big consolidated recycling bin and dumped it into his trash, which I assume then went out to the dumpster and to the landfill. I asked him about it, and he said, yes, I was told to do that. Leave the ones under the desks alone, but empty the recycling bin into the trash. So that makes me wonder, how much of our recycling is just virtue signaling? Are we really making a difference with our efforts? Yeah. I mean, you know, I want to hear what Mike thinks about that. I think one of the problems in the United States is we lack any kind of uniform approach or laws. I mean, a little bit of research I did before today indicated there are over 10,000 recycling systems in the United States. We don't have any federal approach or federal guidance. So... It just leaves this very hodgepodge, all over the place approach. Um, When you look at other countries, they really have, as Mike mentioned, a very solid approach. I found an article in NS Packaging, (laughs) which is kind of interesting. It's the overarching website um, for... uh, packaging for the packaging sector. <laughs> so it's a one-top one-stop shop for anyone interested in the world of packaging. So fascinating. <laughs> I read the article. Um, it outlined the top recycling countries in the world, which were Germany, Austria, South Korea, Wales, and Switzerland. And as Mike said, I mean Germany is is killing it. Um, they they really are. They they recycle 
50, over 56% of all their waste. And the way they do it is they make the producers responsible um, for handling the waste after it's used. So it, it caused the manufacturers to create something called the Green Dot, which is the first ever dual recycling system in the world for household and business waste. And it's funded by the industry. They the, have to pay. The they industry have to pay. being the manufacturers? Right. So it motivates them. It incentivizes them. As Mike was mentioning, like, they exist to satisfy their customers and, you know, profit, which makes sense. That's what we want. So unless they're incentivized, they're not going to do anything as far as waste is concerned. So in Germany's system, they have to be responsible for it. So, and, and waste costs are dependent on the weight of a product that a company makes. So they're incentivized to make things lighter, then they pay less money for the recycling. Very interesting. And the whole, you know, they have a purpose, you know, the whole system is set, is set up to reduce the impact of packaging waste on the environment. And it's working. Well, I like the sound of that. And I did make a trip to Germany a couple of years ago, and I, they were pretty militant about all things recycling. I was uh, scolded a couple times because <laughs> I was on a learning curve. And then, Mike, I know you've lived, you've actually lived in Germany, haven't yeah, you? Yeah, mm-hmm, for quite a while. So, long time ago, though. So, they weren't nearly as developed uh, in their approach. That was back in the 90s in recycling. And then, for example, I think Germany has the highest percentage of um, energy derived from solar. So, um, they've just made a national commitment to do these things. So. Well, I've noticed in, in wherever I've lived around the country and being a military family, we've lived a lot of places. This speaks to what you were saying, Kelly. There's just no standardization on recycling. Some places there was curbside recycling. Other places, no recycling, and you threw everything in the trash. Now, I noticed when I took my son to school in Vermont, they are very green and very conscientious. Every dorm floor has a recycling station, and they even have a place to put your compostable food matter on the dorm floor. Pretty amazing. That might, yeah, that might we get go. a little stinky. Well, I, I think they take measures for that. They do. And I also notice when I have gone to see my daughter in Washington, D.C., there's a farmer's market at the end of her block every Saturday, and people I see carrying buckets of compostable food matter to the farmer's market because they have like a consolidation point every Saturday wow. for, for food wow. matter, you know. That's, yeah, that's yeah. cool. Yeah, I've been looking for something like that here in town, but I, I can't find one. Hey, Mike, where, because I know you're kind of, you have some connections in the industry, where does the recyclables, where do they go? I mean, do they really get recycled? I mean, that's what I yeah, wonder. Yeah. Well, the answer to that is, again, it, it depends on the on the material. So, you know, in general terms, 30% of recyclable material in the United States actually gets recycled. So that's, that's pretty low. It's pretty low. You guys help me here. How long have we been talking about recycling? Has it been 20 years? No, I, I remember doing it in the 70s when I was a kid, okay. talking about well, maybe it. Maybe longer. But yeah. think, how, think how long it takes to change public attitudes and habits. You know, one of the things in the recycling community is we can't afford to let people have the impression that this is not important. Because if we do that, we're going to set ourselves back a decade in terms of public sentiment and public habit. You know, back to what I said a little earlier, it depends on the material. Many of the plastics in the United States right now are very valuable. Um, Cardboard is very valuable because it's interesting here. This has been a pandemic-driven thing on cardboard. 
um, with the shift away from brick and mortar commerce to online commerce, um, the demand for cardboard, just think of cardboard boxes that show up at your front door from Amazon, has gone through the roof. Amazon is the single biggest consumer of cardboard in the world, and they can't get enough. So suddenly cardboard has has gone way up in value, recycled cardboard. To your question, Kelly, it depends on what the material is, but if it's anything other than like paperboard or carton, which would think of a milk carton container or a uh, cereal box, that's not valuable. Glass is not valuable. Some plastics are not valuable, as Marna talked about earlier. But the other stuff, yeah, it's valuable. And right now, market conditions in the United States make it very cost-effective to recycle that stuff. It depends on the material, but somewhere between 53 to 70 percent, that, that's the, the reduction in cost that you have if you recycle, as opposed to creating it, buying the materials and creating it new. What was that percentage again? 53 to 70. That's a very broad sweep, and it depends on the material again, but yeah. That's how much, you know, think of it in terms of reduced cost or less environmental, less environmental impact. Right. But it's a significant, a significant difference than building it or creating it new. Yeah, that's considerable. Yeah. Plus, it doesn't take up space in the landfill. You always got to right. think about that. Right. And also think of, you know, like in the plastics world, what was a milk jug doesn't necessarily come back as a milk jug can be turned into fabric. One of the most significant or common uses of recycled plastic is to build, you know, hard, rigid drainage pipe, which we use a lot of in this country. Think of all the plastic pipe under the ground and in your home. That often comes from recycled other things. Um, so it gets a second life in a, in a hard, rigid plastic. So how about cereal box or something? Is that recyclable? No. Well, I mean, it's recyclable, but is it cost-effective? Does it reduce the amount, the environmental impact by recycling it? No. At this point, no, it does not. And that okay. may change. That may change like next year based on, you know, how we use it, maybe technology. Who knows? Yeah, I mean, I still recycle them. Yeah. I, everything that's recyclable, I put, you know, in our bins and mm -hmm. put it out. I, I figure that's what I should do and, and then let... I guess let the experts decide. Right, let them sort it. And that's exactly yeah. what they want. They don't want you to be making decisions at the recycling bin and going, and when you have single stream recycling, in other words, you put all your recycles, recyclables into one bin, they want it all, and then they will sort it out. And they'll pull out what's valuable. And then what does need to be known is that those things that aren't valuable should go to the closest landfill because they, you, know, you don't want to truck them across the country and use more fuel or resources. You want to just get them into a landfill. So I'm hearing that individuals need to educate themselves on what's being recycled in their areas. I'm not sure that the recycling in the communities are doing their job educating because, or some people are slow learners because I see people all the time throwing plastic jugs into the trash. And I said to one of my neighbors once, you know, you can recycle those. And he goes, plastic? Are you sure about that? You can recycle business. Yeah, that, yeah. Guy's, that guy's not been paying. <laughs> yeah, you're not paying attention. <laughs> you know that's why the industry doesn't want to break or slow down the, the the habit transformation that we're going through in this country. They want everybody to think about recycling because right now they can't get enough of those products they need. Does everybody hear that? They can't get enough of the yeah. products they need, which are corrugated cardboard and some plastics. Yeah. 
So okay. just think all plastics, cardboard, uh, mixed paper. And then, of course, we haven't really talked much about aluminum. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask and you. And other cans, so t what we would call tin cans. The industry calls it ferrous material, but they want all that stuff. Uh, aluminum especially is very cost-effective to recycle as opposed to mining bauxite and, you know, then processing it. And clean aluminum foil. My husband always reminds me of that. Oh. Clean aluminum foil. Uh, he sounds mm -hmm. like he's all over it. Yeah, I mean, he's in the steel industry, so he's... Yeah pretty mindful when it comes to those ferrous aluminum kind of metal kind of things. <laughs> That's what I would say about you, that. You know a lot about what he does, right, Kelly? Oh, gosh, I'm all over it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I just think it's the right thing to do, and I wish we had more leadership, you know, at the federal and local level so that folks were more educated about recycling, me included, and how best to do it, where it goes, how it works, all that. Oh, yeah, uh, absolutely. And I don't know why it's so hard that we don't have anything at the federal level. I mean, I, I think it's important to, you know, let the states make their own decisions. But this kind of humongous task really needs to come from the federal level. Well, you could I, consider it a matter of national security. You know, if, you know, our environment is something we all share and it it's like having a healthy environment is absolutely essential to human life. Um, and uh, so it is, a, it sh I, I agree, it should be a national priority. It's coming, leadership is coming from an interesting place, and this probably won't surprise you guys, but corporations are increasingly taking the lead when it comes to recycling. Folks in the industry are now seeing that major American corporations are putting into place effective programs of their own volition so that they can talk about it and give themselves a better public image and probably make more money. But the bottom line is that a lot of the leadership in recycling is coming from corporations right now. And I think Kelly's saying it'd be nice if more were coming from yeah. government. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I always joke, you know, the old, we're from the government, we're here to help, you know, ha ha. But I do think to really achieve fundamental change, at a national level, attempting to address it city by city, town by town is not going to work. If the government can step in and provide national standards and goals and, you know, maybe minimum standards and, mm -hmm. you know, suggestions, yeah, and incentivize, mm -hmm. you know, yes, incentivize businesses, mm -hmm. you know, maybe set up some kind of credit system or but yes in education i it's hard to believe that folks don't know about it i wonder if that guy just said that because he was embarrassed no he well, really didn't think that plastics could be recycled that's well, kind of shocking i mean like it was laundry detergent bottles and things like that i said just just go around of, the corner there's a recycle bin throw them in there <laughs> a lot of people making a lot of money recycling plastic right now but kelly your point here's something which supports your your argument that government should be involved. Uh, you told me earlier we have 10 states that have bottle deposits, and I'm in one of them. I'm in New York. So when I go and buy a six-pack of beer at the local grocery store, I pay five cents a bottle, so 30, right. 30 cents extra. And then I can take those bottles to a recycling, uh, they call them redemption centers, and um, get my 30 cents back. So it takes time. It's a hassle. I lose my 30 cents for however long I have that six-pack beer kicking around. But in states with this bottle deposit, 85% of the bottles come back into the system. Yep, yep. And so only a loss of 15% of the bottles. 
Now, if you look at the national average of how much we recycle, it's 30%. So I, I don't, I can't do the math here, but what it means is that those states, those 40 states that don't have bottle deposits, they're way below 30% in yes. terms right. of how much they recycle, because the average yes. is 30%, and you factor in the 85% of the 10 states that have bottle deposits. I don't know if everybody's following me, but... I am, so probably am. anybody... <laughs> Probably anybody yeah. could if I'm following. Yeah. Oh, Kelly, yeah. you're the sharpest so. knife in this drawer, okay? So let's just... Not, let's, not when it comes to statistics. Let's but. settle that right now, okay? <laughs> but yeah, I mean, and I think the thing that's so great about the bottle deposit laws is if you're lazy and you don't do it and you put your bottles out or in the garbage, there's there's people walking around pulling those bottles out. Because that's what they do to make money. I mean, even individuals, you know, that are retired or it's yeah. kind of a part-time thing. They, they grab those bottles and then they, they take them and, you know, and they get their 30 cents. And that's right. so it, it makes its way back. It, it's a, again, it's incentivizing people in yeah. various ways. It's, it's kind of cool. The 10 states tend to be, you know, very um, democratic and maybe some would feel over-regulatory, but... In this case, it's working. And it's been in place a long time in New oh, York, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, years oh, yeah. and years. Decades. Oh, yeah. Decades. I remember it from the 90s. Yeah. And I was one of those people, uh, you know, I was walking once with my son, and I saw a big bag of empty beer cans. And, of course, I picked it up and took it to the t- transfer point and got five cents for each can or whatever it was. Sure. And we even have, my husband comments, we have an older woman in our town, and she, it's kind of sad, you know, but she has like a bag, and she walks around town, and she picks up cans. And, you know, you'll even see her, like, checking in the garbages and stuff, like, you know, at our local convenience store, which is yeah. kind of scary. But right. it's how she must pick up a little bit of extra money. It's what my youngest son does. He doesn't walk around town and pick up cans, but everybody knows that he takes cans to the redemption center. So a couple families, it's becoming a bit of a hassle because I, I have these random bags of cans and bottles which just show up on my porch. People don't even bother to ring the bell, but they know that Henry will take them to the uh, redemption center. <laughs> so yeah, and Henry Henry picks up like 30 bucks every yeah. Yeah, every couple yeah. weeks. So you know, Henry's which, like you know, the intermediate <laughs> staging area for recyclables? Yeah. No, 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 no. My porches. And <laughs> then Henry, porches. when when properly motivated, comes by and gets them. So, yeah, I have lots and, and lots of cans in plastic bags. Speaking of plastic bags, Mike, yeah, that's a question um, I have. I used to see... Uh, some of my neighbors on recycle day they throw they put all their recyclables in a plastic bag and put it in the recycle bin yeah and no matter how many times the homeowners association said hey don't put plastic bags in the recycling bin mm-hmm. they were still out there so you're not supposed to put plastic bags in the recycle bin cuz they're called tanglers and they tangle up the sorting machines yeah right but plastic bags are recyclable aren't they you know that's at a good the question. right spot i don't know marna and you know think of plastic bags they come in all sorts of flavors i mean uh, there's different materials used to make different bags it's a good question i don't know tell you it's not one of the highly sought after recyclables right now well i noticed my grocery store has bins at the entrance for plastic and styrofoam actually but so I've been throwing my plastic bags in the bin. So somebody takes it. I hope they don't take it to the landfill. I hope they're recycling it. Yeah. Do you know, Kelly? I have no idea. 
I just know that, you know, some states have banned plastic bags completely, like Delaware, New Jersey. I think some countries have. My youngest is very uh, mindful of the environment, and he gets very upset if I don't remember. We try to bring our own bags, but but if I don't, and then they give you a choice. I I mean, he gets upset if I don't say paper, please, you know, because I, I kind of like the plastic because it's yeah. just easier. I used to wish they would give you reminders in the supermarket parking lot to bring your reusable bags because so many times I got in the store and realized I'd yeah, forgotten mine. Right, right. And and I see more and more I see reminder signs in the parking lot and on the doorways of the store. Mm-hmm. Did you bring your reusable bags? <laughs> I really yeah. appreciate that. Yeah, and and some stores, unlike Whole Foods, they motivate you because you get like a little bit of, you know, you get five cents a bag or or a penny a bag that you don't use. So, you know, that's a little motivator. There again, that's incentivizing it, which is good. It's it's becoming pretty normal, you know. I see it all the time. And it's also interesting that checkout people are totally okay with it. Like, oh, should we put this in your bag? Yeah, please, please do. I mentioned corporations a couple moments ago, and this you guys might find this interesting, but my friends in the recycling industry tell a story about you know how things change in this country. And one of the ways in which recycling and sort of more, let's say, cost-effective and energy-effective uh, packaging came into place was because of Walmart, and it was about 20 years ago. It had nothing to do with environmental impact. It had everything to do with Walmart's cost. So Walmart, as you know, is like one of the market leaders and really commands a couple sectors of our markets. And they went out to all of their suppliers and said, listen, you know, when it comes to these laundry detergents that we're selling, you send us, in essence, watered down laundry detergent. There's too much water in it. We want a concentrated product so that we can sell it in smaller bottles. We have less to transport. We have less to less shelf space we have to use. And so they demanded that all their producers concentrate their laundry detergent. And I, th- I think you guys probably remember, I mean, now we use very little laundry detergent in each load, whereas in the past we like used a full cup. You remember that? I do remember that. Definitely. So, so that was Walmart. And Walmart said, hey, everybody's going to change because that's what we want. And look what happened. They did it. So they told the detergent producers they wanted a concentrated product. They wanted in a specific recyclable bottle that they could be reusing over and over again. They wanted it to be a certain color because the color of plastic matters when it comes to recycling. And so markets were driven by Walmart and they changed that sector. So my my buddy in in the uh, recycling industry says, you want to know who's most responsible for recycling in America? Walmart. And he may, it may be a little tug-in-cheek, but um, it's an interesting <laughs> well, story of how things work in our country. That certainly surprises me, but good for Walmart. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, other yep. corporations have made a commitment to being better about recycling for their own economic interest. You know, some companies out there are doing it, are being very, very aggressive and very effective. One, for example, and I think everybody knows this company because we all use their products, is Colgate Palmolive. Much of what they package in now is designed such that it is recyclable. So they're among the market leaders in terms of this recent and ongoing effort. One thing I wanted to point out, I noticed at the University of Vermont when I was there for family weekend a couple of years ago, whenever there was a, an event like a dinner, they would have three cans. One was for compost matter. One was for recyclables. And the third one for everything else was just labeled 
going to the landfill. And it was like a stark reminder of uh, the the final resting place for all this waste was the landfill. It wasn't trash. It was a more Mm -hmm. immediate Mm -hmm. relationship to where it was going. I thought that was interesting. Yeah, it makes you think. Yeah, I think that's what they were trying to do. Mike, you mentioned how many decades have we been talking about recycling? Many decades. It seems like this is a very slow-turning ship, Mm -hmm. but it's turning. I hope it keeps turning. In fact, as we've been talking, I realize that at my place of employment, we don't have a recycling program because the county doesn't uh, do any Mm -hmm. commercial Mm -hmm. pickup on recycling. Yeah, right. But there's got to be something we could do, and I'm going to... I'm motivated to look into that, see if I can get yeah. people on board. Yeah. I mean, maybe you could turn it into a, a selling point, you know, as far as getting additional folks to come to the building. Right. right. Factor right. that you, yeah. you We're know, a green you're envir- building. environmentally friendly and you're taking these extra steps. Good idea. And I just think that recycling is, in the end, about personal responsibility and, and taking a little bit of time to sort your, you know, your garbage and put them out in the hopes that they're going to be recycled. It's not that hard. And there's another term I've recently come across called pre-cycling, where in your shopping you select items that are sold in recyclable containers or n- not in containers, maybe just put them right in your reusable yeah. grocery mm-hmm. bag. Mm-hmm. My daughter's been fussing to me for years about that. So, yeah, I mean, it starts when you buy your food. Right. You know, the other thing, too, is, you know, we in this country consume just an incredible amount of stuff, food and other things, and think about how much we throw away. So if we could influence people to just use less, I mean, it's healthier, it's cheaper. I mean, if they're interested in a in a way to improve their health, maybe, you know, maybe they should eat 30% less, which... Uh, is the single most effective way to increase longevity. Eat less. Eat less, lose weight. Two benefits. And like you said, Mike, 75% of the American waste stream is recyclable, but we only recycle about 30% of it. There's a big difference there. Something to take into consideration. The thing that's really helped, I feel like, like you were talking about your daughter and Mike was talking about Henry. And, you know, I have Bobby that just is pressing me all the time about environmental stuff. I think it's really good. I mean, the next generation is just on it. Yeah. I mean, they are on it. You know, the plastic and the paper and what we buy and what we eat. And, sure. And you know, Elena definitely. saying, you're throwing that piece of plastic wrap in the trash so it can just go in the landfill? Uh, yeah. yeah, I was going to do that. Yeah. Yeah, younger generation. Putting the positive parent pressure. Okay, this has been a great conversation today. Let's keep it going. Send us an email or leave a voicemail at our website, ethicsandetiquette.com. Check out our Instagram at ethicsetiquette and our Facebook page, Ethics and Etiquette. If you want to support what we're doing, subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts, and we'd appreciate it if you took time to leave a positive review while you're there. And thank you to all of you who keep recommending Ethics and Etiquette to your friends and family. For Kelly Halligan-Zimmerman and Mike Derrick, I'm Marna Ashburn, and this is Ethics and Etiquette a thought-provoking dialogue about everyday dilemmas. Thanks for being with us this week, and please join us again. New episodes are posted on the first and third Wednesdays of every month. See you then.